Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is from Exodus chapter 33. Yahweh said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For Yahweh had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought Yahweh would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and Yahweh would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus Yahweh used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to Yahweh, say, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And Yahweh said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And Yahweh said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This chapter has the Israelites, the entire nation of a couple million people, leaving Sinai for the first time after they've been there for about a month and a half now. They're going to leave, and it's a battle over whether or not God goes with them as they go. By the end of the text, yes, he does. But that's that's the movement that we have to get to. So God is going to keep his promise. He encourages them to go. He commands them to go to the land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's made the promised land, and he is 
reminding of them that that promise, but he's also keeping that promise as he sends them there. And he pledges to send his angel before them to do the work. The angel will drive out the enemy nations, the enemy peoples. Um, six tribes listed, as many as 10 show up in some various versions of the list as it gets mentioned many times. This list is common. Um, so there are others, but this is the bulk of them. The land, the promised land flows with milk and honey. A reminder here that that is a, those are both good things, very good things. Milk is a commodity that it's hard to get because it's hard to pass, it's hard to keep things cold. So as you, you milk your cow, for example, which you have to have cows in the first place, the, the Israelites don't exactly have a lot of livestock um, because they don't have land that's coming. So they'll have land, they'll have livestock, they'll be able to milk their livestock, and they'll have enough milk that even though they can't keep it cold, they'll still have milk to drink because there's so much, they have so much livestock that'll provide it. And the other is honey. Honey is the sweetest thing they know. It's their, it's the, you know, sugary dessert that they enjoy. So the land will be abundant with these luxurious uh, foods for them to eat and drink. God will provide for his people. But here he's saying he won't go up, and it's again God's holiness versus our sin. If he does, he would consume us. He would consume these people, for they are stiff-necked, they are sinners. That stiff-necked insult that we talked about yesterday, right back here again. Verse 4, noteworthy, right? When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned. It's disastrous that God will not go with them. And they've come to realize that there's some repentance going on here for the people. They even stripped themselves of the, the decorative stuff that they were wearing, their ornaments. They are humbling themselves. They are repenting. That's good. I mean, we've certainly seen a lot of sin. We've seen a lot of grumbling against God and rebellion against God, but it's good to see them repenting here. Then we get the, the idea of another tent. So the tabernacle itself is a tent. Uh, it's not been constructed yet. So this is a different tent. And Moses would pitch this tent outside of the camp, far from the camp. So God doesn't consume them, right? Uh, he's keeping God's presence away from the sinners in the camp. But if anyone was seeking Yahweh, they would go out to it. And typically that's going to be here Moses going out to it. And as Moses would, the people would show honor. They would rise up. They would stand out, out by the entry to their own family tent. And they would wait for Moses to go into the tent to speak to God. And it's certainly exactly what was happening. I mean, the pillar of cloud. When Moses enters his tent, the pillar of cloud and fire rests at the, the entrance to the tent. And that's the presence of God himself. And so God, from that, is speaking to Moses Verse 11 does say face to face, but it's without seeing his face, which we learn a couple of paragraphs down. So, there, I mean, Moses is right there with God. He is so close to, to God in his physical presence in that theophany, that appearance of God that is the pillar of cloud and fire. But at the same time, Moses still has not actually seen God face to face. At this point, I should say, you know, because Moses is in paradise today, that likely, um, I would assume Moses has seen God face to face. Now, that's a little different. 
Whenever Moses would leave the tent, his servant Joshua would remain there. Just like the Levites in the future are going to be the caretakers of the tabernacle and all of its equipment and parts and, and everything, Joshua made himself, or maybe Moses did, um, the caretaker of this tent. We see Moses again interceding on behalf of the people, um, making the petition, the request to God that indeed God would go with them, which works, right? It worked before. As God spoke, in, as Moses spoke to God in chapter 32, talking God out of destroying Israel for their golden calf debacle. And here, Moses is going to talk God into going with them. In verse 12, he wants to know whom God will send to lead them. And he says, you know, if, in verse 13, if, if Moses has found favor with God, show me your ways. Moses wants to be, I guess, a little more let in on God's plan of what's going to happen in the future. Verse 14, God actually turns here. He says he, his presence will go with. So he's going to go with Moses. Moses counters that and says, if your presence will not go, don't even bother to bring us up. If, if God is not going to be with them, there's no point in them leaving. That's a good statement of faith. If God does not go with them, they are not protected. God is their provider and their protector. They are in serious trouble if God leaves them and abandons them. So Moses, Moses, right on here, he understands this. The people did too, right? Back in verse 4, they, they believed it to be a disastrous word that Yahweh would not be going with them. Verse 16, Moses points out the idea that God's presence is what makes them distinct from every other people in the world. And not only distinct, but again, protected and cared for. We'll come to the last paragraph. Moses asks to see God. He wants to see him. He wants to see God face to face. And God, God will let Moses see him a little bit, but not fully. Because as he says in verse 20, If you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So again, God's holiness, contrary to our sin, they, they do not go together. Christ, as we look to the New Testament era, Christ on the cross forgave all sins of all people. And so that curtain, the temple curtain, tabernacle at this point, is, is ripped in two from top to bottom, meaning that you know, that holiness of God, that presence of God is now throughout the world, and we are in his presence even now, and we live because we are forgiven. That forgiveness through Christ allows us to see God face to face and live because he has taken away our sin. He has made us holy. We are, we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. We are clothed in the blood of the Lamb, to use a couple of New Testament phrases. So Moses gets to see God but only in part. He, at this point, he only gets to see his back. These words certainly do make it sound like God has a physical body. We usually talk about God the Father not having a body, but here we see those words, back and hand and face, all those things. We don't know what God himself looks like, and we won't until paradise when we get to see him face to face.
I didn't do a good job finding questions to ask your kids here. So let's see. Um, you could ask them on this latter part about seeing God's face. You know, we had that conversation here. Would that, is it still true that we can't see God's face and live? And, and so we just talked that answer through that we will be able to see God's face and live because of what Christ has done for us. Um, Moses goes out to the tent to speak to Yahweh. If you want to speak to Yahweh, where do you go? Could be a way to turn the conversation to prayer. Uh, we can also turn the conversation to to worship as we go to the church to receive Christ's gifts for us. Um, so a couple of things that you might be able to unpack with your children based on this chapter. Is this